0: Welcome to the See Through Church podcast. Here at church, we are passionate about people and helping them in their walk with God. We hope this Sunday message speaks to you today. Good morning, everybody. It's, uh, I, I really appreciate uh, that the renter crowd that I purchased have turned up today. Um, so thank They come with me everywhere. They're outside my house in the morning cheering me on. It's great. But um, I just wanna say a quick welcome to all our locations. Let's give a round of applause to everybody in Bury, Colchester, who are watching online. And also, if you're joining us from prison today, you're so welcome and we're so glad you're here to hear this message and worship with us. Um, I just want to take a moment as well, just to honor the teams that have already led us in worship so well. Um, we've got our worship team and they're obviously seen and, and they do the practical leading of worship, but these guys down the back are leading worship just as much. The guys on production as well, they're the ones that facilitate what we can do up here. We've got our kids team, our Connect team that greeted you on the way in, the coldums team that have maybe put a coffee into your hand, all of this is leading worship. All of those things, all of those expressions are leading worship so you as a church could come together and enjoy the presence of God together. So isn't that cool? We are in this series on worship and this is a a topic that is near and dear to my heart and it's probably the topic I'm most passionate about. It's even in my job title, which probably means I know the most about worship, right? And No, not at all, not really. I am simply a musician who is passionate about the presence of God and passionate about seeing that in the church. And normally my worship talks have to take between one and two minutes and sit somewhere between songs two and three. But today I get to preach to you guys about worship for hopefully at least 25 minutes. Let's see how that goes. But this passion for worship began for me at, uh, I would say, around age 12. And I've got a little picture to show you. Uh, There is fresh-faced Byron. Uh, Thank God for facial hair. But this is my very first guitar that I was given and when I was 13, 12 years old, I started learning the guitar in high school. Um, by age 13, I was serving in my youth ministry, age 15, writing songs and leading worship in the church. And this is something that really grounded me in my faith. Um, serving in church helped to really ground me in, in who I was in Jesus. And the practical outworking of the gift that I found helped to solidify my faith faith and my path in life. Um, And that passion for sung worship has evolved over the years to be something that's not just about myself and my own expression to God, but the passion has evolved into seeing the church engage in worship, to see you guys as the church rise up in worship and engaging with the presence of the Lord. And I just want to take a quick moment to talk to you guys in the youth. If you find a way that you can serve in the church from a young age, it will help ground you in your faith. The world is going to try and pull you in all manner of directions, whether it be through ideologies, whether it be through the way of thinking or behaviors. But if you can ground yourself in the church, find a way to serve, even from a young age. The first time I served in church that I can remember, I was eight years old. My role was not on a stage, it was actually on production. I had the role of pressing record on the mini disc recorder. I don't know if anyone remembers what a mini disc is. It was the mid 90s. It's not a digital medium that really took hold. But that was my first role, was recording the preach. And it was as simple as pressing record, but I remember that that's a core memory for me of serving the Lord, this was whatever I had. And so you don't necessarily have to find the thing that's gonna be your ultimate purpose in life, but serving the Lord will help ground you in your faith through your formative years. So let me encourage you with that. So we're talking about worship and and worship is often geared towards, the teaching on worship is often geared towards people that stand on a stage like this. And I just think that that is good and we need teaching on worship, but the church just as much needs to learn and have have teaching about worship. And so I want to encourage you that if this subject is something that has maybe unlocked something in your heart, that you would study it, that you go and read books about worship. And I've actually got one I wanted to recommend to you today, it's called The Reset by Jeremy Riddle, and I'm gonna read a short passage from this book called The Knowledge of God because I think it fits well into my message. It says, all worship begins with some form of knowledge about God. The worship of God and the knowledge of God are inseparable. Without the knowledge of God, we don't have the slightest clue how to worship him. We're clueless as to what he actually requires of us or how to bring him something that pleases his heart. It is the knowledge of God alone that gives us this insight. Without the knowledge of God, all worshipers are people fumbling about in the dark. And I don't know about you, but I don't wanna fumble about in the dark when it comes to the direction of my worship. I wanna offer something to God that is pleasing to his heart. I wanna offer something that brings him joy. And in turn, I get joy out of it as well because I'm encountering the presence of God. So let me just pray before we get into this. Lord, have your way in your church today. Let your presence move through this message, God. We have sung worship. We have engaged with you, but even now, we are still worshiping as we come around your word. And so let your presence move in this place. Amen. Who's enjoyed this series so far? Yeah, it's been great. We had. Josh and Steve brought brilliant words, and if you haven't seen those, I'd encourage you to go to YouTube and watch those. Even if you have seen it or you were here, they are still worth watching again. And we recorded a little podcast that's a conversation about this whole series. So jump onto YouTube and check those out again if you can. But as I was preparing for this message, I've known this message has been coming for over a year, and so I would start to jot down little ideas in my notes along the way. um, Oh, that's a good idea, maybe I could share that. Oh, that's a cool revelation, maybe I'll share that one day. And then, no joke, um, Steve and Josh literally preached every part of their message that was in the notes I had written. (laughs) And so I've got back to the drawing board, and I'm like, God, what do you want to say today? I want to encourage us that let this not be just a conclusion of a series, but let this be a new season of worship in our church. You know, it's powerful, but I don't wanna just like get hyped for worship because we've talked about it for three weeks. But this is actually something that we carry into our everyday. We carry the presence of God with us as a community together. And so let's go forward from this moment, engaging with the presence of God like we never have before. There's a Psalm that has really stood out to me as how we are to worship God, it's Psalm 34. And it says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord, let the humble hear and be glad. O oh, magnify the Lord with me, let us exalt his name together. It's a beautiful psalm of David, and it's an invitation to us. It's an invitation to us to come and magnify the Lord. What happens when you magnify something? It appears bigger in your sight. What does praise and worship do? It takes your eyes off your own circumstance and it lifts it onto God. He makes him bigger in our own sight. My soul will make its boast in the Lord that we are gathering around the presence of God. We're boasting in what the Lord has done. But I love that this says, His praise shall continually be in my mouth not just on a Sunday morning when we're singing your favorite song or maybe busting out an old hymn. The presence of God, the the praise of God will continually be in our mouth, whether we go through good seasons or we go through bad seasons, whether we go through times of plenty or times of, of burden, but the praise of God, He hasn't changed. He is still worthy to be praised because of who He is. Our circumstance shouldn't dictate the praise that we give our God. So I just wanted to challenge us for the next 10 seconds can we begin to offer up praise to God? But the condition is, you can't do this silently. You can't offer up a praise in silence, it's an oxymoron, the two don't work hand in hand. So I'm just gonna to count to three, and on the count of three, if you wanna participate in this moment, let's just begin to offer up the praise of God. Ready, one, two, three. Come on, we praise the Lord. We give you all the glory, all the thanks, Jesus. You're worthy to be praised. Come on, lift his praise. Come on, lift his praise, he's worthy. Come on. Sorry, I can't help myself, I'm, I'm a worship leader and that's, you know, uh, this is what worship leading is, it's going through the word together. But you see, you didn't need a band for that. There was no music, there was no song, but you're just coming with your expression of praise that is coming up in your heart. Let's build a house of worship in which God's presence feels truly at home. Because without God's presence, what are we doing? What are we doing here? We could sing all the songs, We could lift our hands, we could do this, but unless God's presence is with us, we're just performing religious ritual. And so I would say that to the Christian faith, God's presence is the central thing that we need in our worship. Steve preached a little bit from this scripture as well, 1 Peter 2, 5, it says, this is from the Amplified, you believers are like living stones, are being built up into a spiritual house for a holy and dedicated priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices that are acceptable and pleasing to God through Jesus Christ. I wanna offer God worship that he accepts. I wanna offer him the kind of worship that is pleasing to his heart. But this is a responsibility on all of us. It's not just the worship team, it's not just Steve and Angie. All of us bear a responsibility to build this spiritual house together. We all carry something, we all contribute something. When you come in today, You're not just coming in to to consume of church, you're coming to contribute to the body of Christ. You have something to bring, you have a voice to share in this moment. But we don't do this in our own strength. It's very easy in ministry to to run the race and and do things out of your own strength, but we build with Christ as co-laborers. In Ephesians 2.20, again in the Amplified, Jesus Christ himself is the chief cornerstone in whom this whole structure is joined together and it continues to increase, growing into a holy temple in the Lord, a sanctuary dedicated, set apart, and sacred to the presence of the Lord. That is a great translation. We are a people that are called to be set apart, living righteously, consecrated before the Lord, dedicated to his presence. Moses is a a guy that we all know from the Old Testament, and he's somebody that was described as God's friend. They spoke face to face as if a friend does. And in Exodus 33, 15 and 16, Moses is saying to God, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and your people unless you go with us? What else would distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? So the distinguishing difference between the people of God and the world must be His presence. There is no difference unless his presence goes with us. Do not, say, do not send us up, do not help us, you know, let's not do any more initiatives unless God's presence is in it. Let's not put on just events for the sake of events sake unless God's presence is in it because it is only through his presence that there's any transformative power in our lives. Like I said, without it, we're just, our worship will be void. Let's just not do religious ritual and ceremony but engage in what God is doing. Last weekend, I got to um, compete in a, my very first fitness race. You might be like, what on earth is a fitness race? That sounds like my version of hell. But this is something I'd been training for for a little while. I've, I think I've got a photo here of me struggling with it. There we are, deary me, Look, let's get that off. We don't need to see any more of that. But I had been training for this race for, for a period of months Um, and training quite hard, doing four, five, six times a week sometimes of a variety of different training. Um, It could have been endurance, strength, it could have been stretching or um, running, all this different kind of stuff. But I had to engage in dedicated training in order to run the race well. If I had not dedicated myself to training, and maybe if I had only trained once a week, there is no way that I would have been able to complete that race. That race took us an hour and 13 minutes to complete. But there is no way that I would have been able to run the race had I not engaged in training every single, not every day, but almost every day. But in the same way, if we are running our race, we are running our pursuit of God. How could we ever expect to grow in closeness, grow in his knowledge, if we are only dedicated to training once a week? My point is, don't let Sundays be the only time that you actively engage in worship, We must worship with our whole lives. Romans 12, it says that we offer our bodies as a living sacrifice that is holy and pleasing to the Lord. This is your true spiritual act of worship. It's our whole lives as an expression of worship, not just the songs that we sing. I believe the Lord is calling us back to the heart of what worship truly is, a life of intimacy, a life of proximity to his presence, not just in our meetings together, but through every part of our life. His presence isn't just something that we gather around on a Sunday once a week, sing four slick songs, hear a great three-point talk, and then go home and eat lunch. But it's a tangible presence on our lives that we have to carry. It's the distinguishing difference between that of the Christian life and that of the world. And today, I wanna unpack a little bit of a story from King David. King David is one that we often look to when it comes to the topic of worship. He was a man after God's own heart. There was a pursuit on David's life for the presence of God. But I'm gonna fast track the context. The presence of God was represented in the Ark of the Covenant, this box. And basically, the Ark of the Covenant had been captured by the Philistines. You can read this in uh, 1 Samuel 4 to 8. It had been captured by the Philistines uh, because they were like, well, this this box thing here is what's causing them to win all their battles. So if we steal that, we'll stop losing wars to them. And so they steal, they take captivity, the Ark of God. And in that time, uh, the, the, the Philistines actually, they come down with like tumors and boils and all these kinds of sicknesses. They put the Ark of God in one of the temples of their gods and they come in the next day and their gods are bowing down. The idols have actually fallen off, been decapitated, and they're bowing down to the glory and presence of God. There shall be no other gods before him, it says. And so this Ark of the Covenant, the the Philistines are like, let's get rid of this. We don't want this in our presence. We don't need this here. It's causing us too much trouble. So they send it away on a cart pulled by a pair of oxen, and it ends up in the house of a guy named Abinadab for 20 years. And in that 20 years, that's where we get the reign of King Saul. And if you know your Bible, you know that didn't go very well for him. And so for this whole 20 years, the Ark of the Covenant, the glory of God, the representative presence of God on the earth was not with the Israelites in that time until we come to David and his first act as the newly crowned king over all of Israel. It's not to meet with, um, you know, it's not to create policy, it's not to create laws, it's not to do bureaucracy. His priority in that moment was to get the presence of God back into the city of David. And so we're going to pick up the story from 2 Samuel 6, 1 to 11. It says, David again brought together all the able young men of Israel, there were 30,000 of them. Picture that. They set the Ark of God on a new cart and brought it from the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill. Uzzah and Ohio, sons of Abinadab, were guiding the cart with the Ark of God on it, and Ohio was walking in front of it. David and all of Israel were celebrating with all of their might before the Lord, with castanets, harps, lyres, timbrels, sistrums, and cymbals, I don't know what all those instruments are, but when they came to the threshing floor, of Nacon, Uzzah reached out and took hold of the Ark of God because the oxen stumbled. And the Lord's anger burned against Uzzah because of his irreverent act. Therefore, God struck him down and he died beside the Ark of God. Wow, it's pretty full on. And then David was angry because the Lord had broken out against Uzzah. Verse nine, David was afraid of the Lord that day. And he said, how can the Ark of the Lord ever come to me? He was not willing to take it to the Ark ark of the Lord with him to be in the city of David. Instead, he took it to the house of Obed-Edom the Gittite. The Ark remained in his house for three months and the Lord blessed his entire household. You know, when you get the presence of God into your household, your house will be blessed. Get worship into your living room, get prayer, get your Bible out and read it in front of your kids. There's such power in getting worship into your household. Can we just paint this picture for a second? Imagine 30,000 able young men all praising the Lord with all of their might. That is a jam-packed O2 arena in London, if you've ever been to a conference there. That's a lot of people. And we might look at that from our perspective, if we were to see something like that, right, an event in the O2 of everyone praising the Lord with all of their might, and we might go, wow, they're doing ministry really well. They've got it right, look how passionate they are, look how you know, much God is doing amongst them. Look, God, we've even brought you out on a new cart. We've even got your presence here weird out conveniently for us. Here it is, Lord. And yet God, in the midst of their meeting, he stops it. What an absolute vibe killer. Can you imagine 30,000 people all celebrating with all their might? A guy dies in the middle of the meeting. It's just like, oh, what do we, what do, we do now? Because really, the only thing that was actually permitted to ever touch the ark was the blood of an unblemished sacrifice, which is a foreshadowing of what Jesus was coming to do for us. But you can see that there's like a, there's this cart that they bring out, and they, they do it the wrong way. They're handling the presence of God in an incorrect manner. And this is what often I find that sometimes myself, maybe you, we can do, this is the part of my message where I was gonna illustrate something. I was gonna see if a couple of cows could bring out a cart with a box on it, but budget wasn't quite there for it, but there's a vision offering next week in Jesus' name. But <laughs> we've got this box, right? And let's call it Sunday. Let's call it the presence of God because we come around the presence of God on a Sunday and we've got, what have we got in this box? We've got, we've got worship, we've got sung worship, you know, I love singing songs, it's part of my job. We've got prayer. Prayer is important. Prayer is important to gauge with God. We've got a word, okay, let's, you know, hopefully I remember one thing that that guy said to me for the last half an hour, who knows. And then we've got, you know, more songs and more singing and then we go, cool, thanks God, um, appreciate it. I'm gonna leave the car over there and I'm gonna walk into my Monday and then I encounter busy. I get busy. Who leads a busy life here? I'm sure we all do, we have careers, we have kids, we have routines, we've got all this stuff that we do, but I can encounter busy on a regular basis and then forget the presence of God for a moment. I can be, this is personal for me, but I can be so busy working for God in a church that I neglect to engage with God. There's a bit of vulnerability for me, but I have to go, God, I continually have to lift my eyes to you and not get so busy in what I'm doing for you, but just engage with who you are. Maybe we move further into our week and we we might encounter idols. Steve spoke about this in the first weekend of this series. Anything that you place in a higher value than God himself. Personally, like for me, the idol of influence, of making an idol of worship as a ministry, things like stages and stadiums and the praise of man, I have had to sacrifice that on the altar of my life, regularly. We could move further into our week and maybe it's apathy. Maybe it's just, like, I can't be bothered with God today. Maybe it's like, well, I'm just gonna give him this much of my praise, because that's, that's all I can offer him today. Or maybe it's not offering him praise at all. Apathy is kind of like the sad version of pride. You know, in order to get rid of apathy, you need to humble yourself, in a way. Just going through the motions, and I know that going through the motions doesn't please God. Or perhaps maybe it's even sin. Nobody escapes this label, nobody is good but God, and we have all fallen short of his standard. And because God is a holy God, he cannot be in the presence of sin. And so sometimes it's things, whatever you might be facing, whatever you might be going through, whether it be conscious sin that you're you know, deliberately doing or whether it be unconscious sin that you just accidentally do, God's presence can't be in the presence of sin, but thankfully through the grace of Jesus that we can come to him because of his sacrifice. I'm gonna skip ahead a little bit. So we're gonna look at how David did it in the correct way. We're gonna look at how David brought the ark back correctly. In, in, this story is covered in 2 Samuel and 1 Chronicles. 1 Chronicles 15, 12 to 15. It says, David goes and he calls Levitical families together. He calls the, families, the heads of the, the priestly families and he says to them, you are the heads of the Levitical families, you and your fellow Levites are to consecrate yourselves and to bring up the ark of God the God of Israel, to the place I have prepared for it. It was because you, the Levites, did not bring it up the first time that the Lord broke out in anger against us. We did not inquire of him how to do it in the prescribed way. God has a prescribed way of how we are to worship him. So the priests and the Levites, they consecrated themselves in order to bring up the ark of God, the God of Israel. And the Levites carried the ark on their shoulders with the poles as Moses, had commanded in the accordance with the word of the Lord. You see, God's presence was never meant to be wheeled out on a cart. It was never meant to be conveniently placed on a cart for our benefit and then to leave it behind and engage with all matter of things in the world. The presence of God was always prescribed to be carried on the shoulders of the priests. As 1 Peter 2 said that we are now a royal priesthood a chosen and holy nation, that we have now become the royal priests that are dedicated to the presence of God, that are tasked with carrying his presence. 2 Samuel 6, 13, we're gonna jump back to that book. It says, when those who were carrying the ark of God had taken six steps, he sacrificed a bull and a fattened calf and wearing a linen ephod. David was dancing before the Lord with all his might and Israel were bringing up the ark of the Lord with the sound of shouts and trumpets. We are called to be carriers of God's presence, not just consumers of it. This church, we are a body. We work together to carry the presence of God. See, it wasn't carried just by one priest with the whole Ark of the Covenant on his back. It was carried by a community together. And David's sacrifice is remarkable to me because it says they took six steps and then they sacrificed a bull and a fattened calf And then they pick up the ark of God again and they take another six steps and they do the same thing. It's a remarkable image of a sacrifice of praise. David atoning for the sins of how they previously tried to carry the presence of God. But if we can think about this for a minute, it approximates that it was six miles of a journey from the house of Obed-Edom to the tabernacle where David was gonna bring the ark in the city of David. If a pace is two feet, two inches, every six paces they would stop, Stop, hold it, let's provide a sacrifice, let's praise the Lord. And they prepare an offering, they burn it up. That's 2,437 stops, 406 stops per mile Four two thousand 2,437 sacrifices. If there was 30 minutes to prepare each sacrifice, it would have taken 52 days on a six mile journey. If you add eight hours of sleep and maybe three hours to eat, It would have taken 26 more days. You could approximate that it might have taken David 78 days to get the Ark of the Covenant from the place where it was into the city of David. What a sacrifice of praise. Most of us are tired after three songs, but David endured and praised the Lord with all of his might, praising and dancing. And no wonder he was leaping when he entered the city because he was almost at the end of his journey. But we're called to praise the Lord together as a sacrifice and the Bible doesn't allude to us why it was six steps I've researched it and I've seen a few different theories on it but I wonder if it's something to do with the Sabbath that there are six days of the week that we're called to carry God's presence we carry the presence of God into our Monday we worship him on Tuesday Wednesday Thursday every single day of the week. And then there's one day that we dedicate and we set apart to gather as a community and praise His name together, to lift up our praise as a sacrifice. Come on, you can praise Him today. It's good. But if you can think in your mind of of what this procession might have looked like in the wake of this procession, that's 2,400-something animals sacrificed along a six-mile journey, a big, long trail of blood and guts all the way from Obed-Edom's house to Zion, which is pretty nasty if you have to think about it for too long. But in a way, it leads us to the cross. See, as humanity, we've, we've had a, a trail of blood all the way from Eden to the cross, trying to appease God, trying to sacrifice and atone for sin in our own strength. But Jesus has come so that we no longer have to make those sacrifices. In fact, thank God, we don't have to make animal sacrifices anymore. The only sacrifice that He asks of us is for our hearts dedicated to Him. Hebrews 13, it says, through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise that is the fruit of our lips, giving glory to His name. I'm gonna close with this scripture from Hebrews 10, verse 19. It says, therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have the confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus and by a new and living way opened for us, that is the curtain, that is his body. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart with a sincere heart, full of the assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience, and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess because he who promises it is faithful. So you might feel like you can't come to the presence of God today because of what you've done. You might feel like you're not good enough to worship wholeheartedly. Let me tell you, friend, Jesus has made a way for you to come close to the presence of God. You see, the most holy place was reserved for the high priest who was to come and offer a sacrifice to atone for the sins of the people. Jesus has now become our great high priest and it says that he has put away the former for the new. There is a new covenant that we are walking in and now we as a church have the opportunity to confidently come before the presence of God. So if there's one key takeaway that you can take from this message, it is that we are to carry God's presence into every day, into every day of our lives. And that when we come together, we celebrate and we sacrifice our praise from the fruit of our lips, giving glory to his name. Can we stand church for a moment? We're gonna praise, we're gonna worship, we're gonna engage with what he is doing. This is an invitation to come close to his presence today. You could lift your hands, you could kneel, but I would encourage you to do anything that you need to do to step into the presence of God because he's worthy to be praised forevermore thank you Jesus come on let's lift our voices let's lift our hands thank you for listening to the c3 podcast this message has spoken to you today in some way we would love to know reach out to us at hello at the c3.uk And if you want to extend the reach of what we do here, why not consider giving by going to thec3.uk forward slash giving. And as always, subscribe to our channel and share this episode with a friend. We hope to see you soon.